Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, I'm Daniel, and I'm going to talk about a teaching today that is called Drive All Blames Into One. Drive All Blames Into One. This is from the Lojong teachings, and it maybe is one of the hardest ones to really think about because when we say drive all blames into one, what we're really saying is what if we just take responsibility for everything? What if we just take responsibility for everything? What we want to do here is try to learn how to stop blaming everyone around us for our problems. Or even sometimes we do things like blame the whole world or blame society or whatever. It's an easy thing to do to blame others for everything that happens. Even even things that are clearly our fault. It's very easy for us to, you know, to find reasons why it's not our fault. And casting blame does not always serve us very well. It doesn't always serve us. It often does not serve us very well. As a dad, I see a lot of situations where one of my kids is aggressive or mean to the other one and says, it's not my fault. They were being annoying. And of course, that's silly. But we can sort of relate to that. We can sort of relate to that. We can throw blame around and agonize over how other people are causing us to behave Or we can stand up and take responsibility for all of our actions. It's up to us. So nobody can make you behave badly. No one can make you mad, really. You can only make yourself mad. That's not to say we're not talking about victim blaming here. We need to try to make the world a better place. And we need to stand up for ourselves when we're abused. And we need to figure out how to recover from trauma. That's not what this is about. I can imagine those kinds of criticisms, but that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about sort of learning how to see our situation and just think, okay, right now it's like this. What can I do? Right now it's like this. What can I do? Instead of, oh, this bad thing's happening. Whose fault is it? Right? That's an important thing. And again, people are victimized by other people, and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the annoying habit that makes you irritable, right? We're talking about when you lose the remote control and you're trying to figure out who lost it because it can't be you, right? And it's annoying because it's missing, and you're trying to figure out, oh, whose fault is this? As though though that is going to make the remote get found faster. It's not. So we want to learn how to stop holding on so tightly to blaming others for everything that happens. And this can even apply when it is their fault. And this is obviously a really hard thing to do. 
We like blaming others. We like not blaming ourselves for anything, right? We like not taking responsibility for our own flaws and mistakes and weaknesses. And of course, what about when someone does something really horrible, really bad, like commits a terrible crime or truly, truly victimizes you, right? Uh, this is like that old saying, forgive, but don't forget. We can still learn something, of course, but, and it's hard for me to say, forgive your victimizer. So maybe I shouldn't say that, but it's about don't use what happened to you as an excuse, but rather rise above what happened to you. Rise above what happened to you. You know, we hear about people who were abused as children and then they grow up and they abuse children, right? A cycle, cycle of violence. And I tend to think that those people doing that are, are sort of not taking responsibility. And this is a tar tough thing to talk about, right? But the point is that we can all try to do better. We've all had trauma. We've all been kicked in the heart. Some people have had very severe trauma and some people have had very mild trauma, but we've all been kicked in the heart. We've all had things happen to us that are really awful. We all have. And a, an aspect of this path is learning how to open our hearts and keep our hearts open in spite of what has happened to us, in spite of what has happened to us. And what we really want to do is learn how to fully appreciate and understand everything that happens, regardless of whose fault it is. This is about moving away from the habit of complaining and instead looking at ways to turn our experience into the path of awakening. It's about trying to find inspiration in the hard parts and we can do that. And it is very hard sometimes. And I do still encourage people who have been horrendously traumatized to seek to seek therapy and other other forms of help because that stuff does help and because we don't want to carry around this weight. We we want to release it as much as we're able. We want to release it as much as we're able, which may not be as much as we would like to, but as much as we're able, we want to release it. We want to try to not sit and think about how we were victimized, right? How we were victimized. I... I'd be overstating it to say I was a victim or to say even to say I was harmed, I would be overstating it. But I had a bad experience in a spiritual community. And I'm not going to say the name of that community, but I believe you could figure it out if you tried. But I do want to say I had one bad experience and I left that community and I do sort of carry that weight. I do sort of carry that weight. And I do look for, and I do look for ways to blame others besides myself. And I sort of secretly like, maybe likes not the right word, but 
I get something out of placing blame on other people for this bad experience I had in a spiritual community. I, I feel like I get something out of that. But the truth is, I really need to put that down. And I really need to forget about that community and forget about how I, how I was, I'll say, disrespected or not respected, how I was not as respected as I thought I was. Because carrying that weight doesn't serve me. And honestly, in the range of ways people are harmed by spiritual communities, I am way at the low end because people get seriously, grievously harmed by spiritual communities. So I, I hesitate to even say it was harm, except that, man, it made me uncomfortable and it made me feel bad. And I don't like that it happened, but I need to put all that weight down and just think, okay, well, there are things I could have done differently. And this, maybe it was never the place for me. I don't know. But this slogan makes me reflect on that a little bit. And that feels uncomfortable. But what do we know? Sometimes when we're reflecting feels uncomfortable, that's not because we don't need to do it, right? So, and I found over the years, I think about what happened to me, what happened to me, what happened uh, less and less than I used to. But I can say spiritual leaders, leaders of communities need to be careful because uh, losing your community like I did is a strange experience and it's very uncomfortable. I, I didn't, it's not devastating. It's uncomfortable and we don't like to be uncomfortable, right? So um, all of that being said, I want to leave you with a story and this is a story about sort of turning turning some hardship into part of the path, okay? This is a Zen story, and it's a story of a teacher called Hakuin, who was a very well-known Zen master. And this is called the story of Hakuin and the Accusation, okay? This is from the Zen tradition. And the monk, Hakuin, who's featured in this story... He goes through some drama, and he doesn't blame anyone. So we could all learn a lesson from him. He was a very wise and well-known teacher. So this Zen teacher, Hakuin, he lived in a small hut outside of a village. And he had a wonderful reputation, and everybody liked him. He was really beloved by the community. And people would come from all over to see him. And he just lived in a hut. He wasn't trying to be wealthy. He was just living in a hut, having a few possessions and just teaching people and living alone. And sometimes people would come for, come to him and learn for a while and other times for a short time, but they would, uh, he made, he survived by people coming and getting teachings from him and giving him some food and stuff. So, um, and by the way, I didn't mention this. This is like 1100s Japan, I, th I think. Don't quote me on that. The medieval period in Japan. So anyway, Hakuin living in a hut outside a village. And one day, a poor young woman or girl, um, her age isn't clear to me, but a teenager, she becomes pregnant and she lied to her parents. She told her parents that the monk Hakuin was the father because she didn't want to tell her parents that the father was a poor fisherman boy, a person her age. So she told them that it was this adult monk who everybody thought had a celibacy vow. Okay. So after the baby was born, this young woman's parents, they took the baby 
and they went to Hackwin's hut and they said, you got our daughter pregnant. You must take care of this child. We are poor. We can't afford it. You have ruined your virtue by making our daughter pregnant. You have to take care of this baby. They were very angry. And Hackwin, he said, is that so? And he just accepted the baby as his own. He just took the baby. They gave him the baby. He took it. And he resolved to raise the baby as his own child in this small hut. And that's not the end of the story. This girl's parents told everybody. They told everybody. And, you know, bad rumors like this, they can really spread, right? So they told everybody. And so this young woman or girl had ruined Hackwin's reputation. Ruined, totally. People thought he was a wise and virtuous teacher, and suddenly they didn't think that anymore. Just all at once, overnight, because one person was dishonest. Now, everybody thought he was a creep. Everybody thought he was trouble. You know, lock up your daughters. Hackwin's around. Be careful, right? No one would be coming to learn from him anytime soon, because obviously he could not be trusted. That was the perception of everyone. But he did something we wouldn't do, I think. He just responded with patience and equanimity. He could have responded with anger. He could have aggressively denied the accusation. He could have been like, how dare you? I did not do such thing. I've not even seen that girl. What are you talking about? He could have called the young woman crazy or evil. And would that have worked? Would they have listened to his denial? Who knows? Sometimes... Things are that way. When you are accused of something and you just aggressively respond, no, I didn't. That is the thing that makes people not believe you. It's ironic, really. It's the a strange thing about denying a misdeed is sometimes it makes you look guilty. Sometimes it makes you look guilty. I think that's why sometimes um, convicted people or not convicted people rather people on trial for serious crimes like sometimes they don't take the stand and that's because you can be painted to look guilty no matter what you do right so when you're accused of something there's no good answer it seems like if you're too calm they can get on you for that if you're too aggressive they can get on you for that but Hackwin, he just took it he just said his attitude was just okay i guess i'm raising a child now here we go and so what happened he took care of this baby for over a year. Somebody was still helping him by providing him with food or something. He borrowed milk from a neighbor and he fed and clothed this baby. It's said that he took very good care of this baby. He took care of all its needs and he raised the baby as though it were his own. And so an entire year goes by and the young woman confessed. She confessed to her parents that the baby's real father was a fisherman. It was not Hawkwind. So then what happened? The parents, so the baby's grandparents, in case that's unclear, went back to Hawkwind and they apologized really profusely. They said, I'm sorry I ruined your reputation and I'm sorry for making you take care of this baby. We, we will take the baby back since it's not your responsibility. We are so Sorry, and we're going to tell everyone that you are wise and virtuous and that we were wrong about you. And Hakwin just says, just said, is that so? 
Is that so? He let them take the baby that he had cared for. And it is said when the story gets told that he faced this situation with kindness and patience and equanimity and that it was something he could handle. I think, though, that this was probably extremely hard on Hakwin. He had plenty of time to bond with this child. And then suddenly he had to face what a lot of uh, foster parents face, which is just, he had to just let the child go. He had to just let the child go because it was time. So Hakwin can teach us something about how to handle drama. He was, he was victimized by a lie and it had serious consequences to his reputation, to his lifestyle, to his financial situation. He was attacked and he just handled it with humility and stoicism. He just saw this situation and he said, what can I do now? He just did what had to be done and he did not worry about the wreckage to his reputation, which was, again, quite severe. But he just looked at the situation and he weighed his options and he just handled it. He just handled it. Now, we are not as wise as Hakwin. We are not as mindful as him or as patient. And we probably won't be. We probably won't be. But I wonder if we can apply his attitude, is that so, to maybe some of the lesser awful things in our lives. Maybe some of the lesser awful things in our lives. So if somebody shows up with a lie about a baby and you suddenly have to take care of a baby and you're totally unprepared and your reputation's ruined, well, it's going to be hard to handle that with a calm and even mind like he did. But, however, what about... When you're in line at the store and it takes forever, seemingly for no reason. Or what if you're cut off in traffic when you're driving and you maybe even almost get in an accident, but nothing bad happens. Or what about when your kids just don't listen to you and they just are pushing back with no seeming limit to their attitude? Maybe we can meet these things with the ad. Is that so? Or at work when there's a deadline that you aren't making and you know you're not making it and you know your work is going to suffer as a result, right? Is that so? What can, what can we do? This is our situation. What can we do? That is what I want you to reflect on. It starts with little things. The training starts... With little things. So it doesn't start with forgiving someone who did something, some horrendous crime to you. No, it starts with forgiving the person that cut you off in traffic. It starts with forgiving the really slow cashier or the coworker who's not holding up their end. So you're having to work harder. It starts with forgiving those people. And after that, we'll see. Let's let's try to get there. And then after that, we'll see what's next. But it also this involves having an open heart and opening our heart, even though we've been kicked in the heart, opening our heart and being ready to be genuine and authentic and real with the world around you. So that's what I wanted to say for today. We don't have to look for someone to blame all the time. And we probably all do that more than we should. 
when things start to go bad or when things start to just not get better. We look, we look for blame and we see a lot of that in the world today in so many areas and maybe it's too much and maybe it's what drives us away from each other, makes us mad at each other, makes us think, I don't want to be like those people, right? So I want you to reflect on that. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me and have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.